I was like, oh, we're, we're going to play three at the back. This is definitely going to happen. You're like, oh, this is not going to happen. You would have said, said, you said, you would have said, you said, oh, would we'll, we'll three at the back suit us? In fairness, I would have said, well, Kenny's never played three at the back. It will never, never, never happen. OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Uh, let's move on because the other bit of peacemaking that Owen has to do now is to try and solve exactly what the situation is between Cork and Kerry in the football championship. You may have been unaware of the fact that uh, there are some concerts coming. Uh, Ed Sheeran is playing in Porky Cueve and so therefore Porky Cueve is out of commission for the Cork versus Kerry Munster semi-final. That's where the game would traditionally have been played this year. It's their turn. And uh, so Cork were like, look, we can't use that one so we're sticking it in Porky Rain and everybody's like this doesn't seem like that big a deal but then the Munster Council are like no 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 Games and Kerry Cork are like no Games not in Kerry Games in Parker Rain or Games nowhere and that's where we stand at the moment mm. the Cork management team and players are withholding their council at the moment the threat is they're not going to play the game Parky Rain or nowhere yeah. Why, why are you laughing at? Well, like, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny, isn't it, that, I mean, they have a stadium and it's it's just not available. Like, it is it is different to Newbridge and nowhere. Like, I, I will say that the, the relative qualities of the teams doesn't actually matter here. It shouldn't matter for a conversation like this. It doesn't matter if Cork are not going to win the game or wherever it's going to be played. It's about competition fairness. And has the competition lost some integrity because this game has been taken away from Cork, given it was their year to have a home fixture? And the answer is no, because they're going to get it back in a couple of years. They're like, it's not like the game's been taken away and Cork are never going to have that game again. They'll have it back. They'll have actually more people in Parky Cueve when they play that game at home in Kerry in two or three years' time. With, with, with a squad, so we want to bring it back to competition, which I just said was irrelevant, <laughs> with a squad that, that Keith Rickon has said is, is a young one that they're targeting success in future years. Why can't we back that, that, that squad is going to have uh, It's going to have Parky Cueve games coming down the line when they come to their peak in a couple of years. Why can't we play in Parky Rin? Like I would say that the real reason is that it's too small. That that is why this game is not being played in Parky Rin. And yes, there is um, precedent for Newbridge. That that's where the, the Newbridge precedent is. Is that the GA were like, well, I mean, we're not gonna. This is a big fixture. It's Mayo. We can't be putting Mayo in a, in a stadium that small. We got to get Croke Park numbers off them. The same thing can be said for this fixture. That's where the comparison lies. But where the comparison falls down is that everybody was angry with the GA over Newbridge or nowhere. Whereas it seems in this case. It's Cork GEA's fault because they were the ones that allowed Ed Sheeran to come in and ruin the Munster Championship. But, like, uh, you know, this whole thing about um, it's our stadium, we should use it for our games. It, I mean, it's not your stadium. The banks own the stadium because you owe the banks tens and tens and tens and tens of millions. Now, maybe they don't. Maybe they actually owe Croke Park tens and tens. Of millions. Whoever the ultimate guarantor is, it's not... So Cork GA can't pay their bills at the moment on that because the stadium massively overran. It was like four or five times more expensive than it was supposed to be. So you've got to you've got to pay in this case the piper and the piper's Ed Sheeran and his fans, and you've got to take that money. Like if you want that stadium, and the stadium isn't there for this year, the stadium is there supposed to be for the next two decades, three decades, four decades, and it's supposed to be a facility that they're going to be able to use. But you've got to service the debt. You have to have the gigs. Ed Sheeran isn't available to come all the time. Mm. I mean, maybe he is. Maybe it's going to be an annual thing. But, like, it, it, they got unfortunate with it. I don't... And, and you know, if Cork GA have decided that their home game is going to be in Porky Rin, then that's up to Cork GA. And Munster Council should be told to go stuff themselves. Mm. I, like, I think. I, I mean, I 
I can actually I know this is kind of disappointing to hear I can actually kind of see both sides to this on like on the one end good people on both sides yeah well no no there's only good people on one side of this but I can see the bad people and what they're saying as well uh, <laughs> like I first of all the fact that by with health and safety regulations by the way this is a nine thousand capacity state yeah they have a bit of work to do to get it to eleven thousand they do so it is tiny but I I can see just about why they could get this game there as opposed to say a, a hurling game because of what happened last summer. Cork got absolutely hammered in Killarney nobody expects them to win this game and that'll affect the attendance Can I, yeah, I was going to say is there a possibility either way so I think by fixing it for 6 o'clock on a Saturday evening they have managed to uh, juice the attendance figures up to whatever they lost for the fact that no one thinks it's going to be anything I'd say the spread is between 9 and 11 points if you're pricing this up today it could be 14 points if it's in Killarney it definitely is yeah so that's figures. what I'm saying in Killarney Clarny three o'clock on a Sunday. Are you gonna go? I'm not sure. The Kerry people will go. Yeah. Zero core people, like the diehards, the family members, the backroom team family members, and I think you underestimate how much core people love a weekend in Clarny. And uh, of course, six o'clock on Saturday uh, it, it makes that an even more attractive case. But what I will say is that, like last year was a COVID year, and Cork people still travelled in their droves to Clarny that weekend. They weren't going to the games; they were just standing in a beer garden watching it. A couple of them got into the game because it was a five thousand maybe or something like that that were allowed in. But there was massive expectation there last year after what had happened in 2020 and and that I think is dimmed this year what I will say though on top of this as well is that why why did Cork give away games when Parky Cueve was being rebuilt why didn't they play games in when Parky Cueve was being rebuilt why didn't they play games in Parky Rin at home to Kerry during that period all of a sudden Parky Rin is really important to the Cork footballers if it was that important they why didn't they play there instead of giving games to Kerry during the Parky Cueve redevelopment and what happened and there that's because of money right. and now all of a sudden money's not important to, to, to Cork or to, to, to the people making the decisions here so that for me I think is a bit of a contradiction if Parky Rin is that important to you then well, it, it shouldn't a, in, just be there fairness, when Sheeran's in town in fairness there's a new there's a new administrative broom in, in Cork they're yeah. progressive they're uh, very intelligent they're like you would say some of the best sports administrators in Ireland are in Cork at the moment uh, be doing a good job I'm not, an amazing not disputing job. that yeah. yeah and so maybe that's the change maybe they're looking at that and going well we shouldn't have done that then we should have actually established that this would have been a hard place for Kerry to come giving them a game and try to like help our team to progress I, I do think I can I can I see your point, right? If you're Keith Drakin, you're like, we'll give this year away, we'll build for the qualifiers. Give away draft picks. And uh, for the next two years, yeah. when the games are going to be in Parky Cueve, we're going to give Kerry a right run because they'll be all Ireland champions at that stage. But is he going to be around, guaranteed? Is, he, is it automatic that he's going to be there to see the fruits of the labour this year? I'm not sure. Like, And also, if you're in the court dressing room and you're the management team and you're looking for a little bit of a spark, like, there's a chance here, right? There is a little bit of a chance... Literally, everybody is against us. Like, the Ed Sheeran fans are against us. The Kerry Football Fraternity are against us. The Munster Council, well, they're 100% against us. What are we going to do here? Are we going to stand up and fight? Yes, we are. Yeah, and I think that'll be quite a cork thing to do. Uh, like, I, do, I will say that there didn't seem to be much of noise around this uh, with, before the last fortnight, before this became a sort of, oh, this game may be changed. Uh, and I just assumed it would be in Parky Green. I didn't think that they yeah. would flick it to... Cause it, uh, because I don't think it's the glamour fixture that it has been. It's a Division 3 team against the best team in the country. And it's going to be... Division 2, like... Division 2. Yeah. Sorry. Ne- they, they were nearly a Division 3 team. Uh, it feels like a Division 3 team but mm. like All right, well, 
10, 12 points could be 25 points it was, it was it was in the calendar as partly written for May the 7th and nobody was kicking up a, a much of a fuss about it maybe they were privately or maybe I'm, maybe people that I don't know were kicking up a fuss about it but this became a story when it was announced a couple of weeks ago that this fixture may be moved that's when this really went into overdrive it was like Ed Sheeran's in Parky Cueve that's why the game's on in Parky Rin and away we go but now it's now it's become complicated and now that it's like the game may be moved everybody's like hmm yeah you know what it should be moved so uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Cork football team actually do here because Keane O'Neill was pivotal to the Newbridge and Nowhere movement. He was the one who, who really put the foot down. But again, he would have been looking at that fixture and, uh, and Mayo Kildare don't have a home away agreement, whereas Kerry and Cork do. I think the fact that that was a one-off game yeah, in the exactly. qualifiers, it was never going to happen again. Absolutely, Kildare had to do that. For yeah. Cork, I, I, I look, um, I do absolutely see the point as well. If you're thinking long-term about this, you give it to Kerry and you you actually try and negotiate like some kind of better deal it's like nah, I'm not doing it one year if you're taking this game off you need to give us an extra year so it's like we're, our trade is it's not just one off one one for one here so you're playing hardball yeah a little bit then it becomes limerick then it's like right let's move this into a neutral venue and let's just write this year off and then we'll get our home game next year yeah it's a little bit the hurlers like and uh, they're going to Semple aren't they Clare and Cork that, uh, that may, or first weekend of May but that's obviously a different situation they play a lot of those big hurling games in neutral venues um, so yeah like I, I, I'm not sure I think I think the reality is that maybe Cork will, might, might actually accept it and, and, and play the game in Clarny for future years but you don't know you don't know what, what that, that camp is thinking you don't know what, how much they rate themselves maybe they, they have been like keeping the powder dry and are, are going big this summer Um it's going to be very, very interesting to see if there's going to be another element to the story. James O'Donnell did not believe that they were keeping the power dry. And no, not at all. Neither did Paddy, to be fair. No, I don't think anybody does. No. It's this like, is the most written-off team that I can remember. Because there's no incent- there was no incentive whatsoever to keep your powder dry in Division 2 this year, given the massive risk of getting relegated. And also the massive incentive of getting into Division 1 again. If they like For, for them to, to beat Kerry, they need to be as good as Galway, Roscom and Derry, if not better and they've proven that they're a step below those teams Griff says would Cork GEA have moved the hurlers not a chance football in Cork is dead <laughs> now did you not just say they did move the hurlers uh, well like I mean they've gone neutral on that one I'm not sure what the I, I, their game against Clare I'm not sure what the original status was yeah I, I don't know Parky, what I think that was supposed to be Parky Cueve and now they've agreed to actually play that in, in a neutral ground yeah I, I can I don't know maybe it, it would be good if I don't know. Do Cork need two stadiums? They probably do for the league. Parky Cueve might be too big for all those league games. But you suspect next season when they'll play as many games as they can in Parky Cueve, right? Well, like, yeah, well, Parky Rin is, is perfect for a league game at times. When you've got 10,000 people in there, Like that's that, that, that's what you're kind of maxing out at quite often, especially in the early stages of the league when the weather is cold and miserable. Michael O'Connor says, Off the football again this morning. I love the balance. Uh, Tommy Walsh is going to join us in five minutes, so we'll be off the hurling in uh, five minutes. And uh, we just were talking about the soccer team before that and the rugby team. But your look. Which is technically football, I guess. He could have been talking about either. Um, perhaps. He, he's, uh, he's one of those... Um, He's got a, a universal view when it comes to the word football. He likes everything. Fair enough. And, you know, that's a, it's a, a style. Peter says, I suppose the real question is, will Kerry play their A-team? Maybe not. I mean, they shouldn't. Uh, you know, they, they can be vanilla all the way through to the All-Ireland semi-finals this year. They'll be on the beach. They'll have won the big one this weekend. 
Uh, a reminder, OTBAM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Massive night in the Champions League last night as the uh, second leg, Barcelona beat Real Madrid 5-2, 8-3 on aggregate um, before a full new camp. We talked with Emma Byrne about this. She was actually commentating for Barca TV for their English language version yesterday. And... Um, uh, she was just talking about the surge of popularity around it. You were watching a bit of this. You caught the the highlights, and Graham Hunter was tweeting about it last night. It was one of the, the great Champions League nights in New Camp. And the thing is, if, if you uh, close your eyes and listen to some of the goals, especially I think it was Claudia Pina's goal, uh, which put Barcelona back ahead on the night. It was that same sort of, you know, that guttural roar that you just see Messi celebrating to. It sounded exactly the same, um, which you kind of don't really have in English football at all, which was remarkable. And like it was for quite a section of the game, looked like this might actually turn into something that Real Madrid might be able to, to cause some sort of comeback as they were 2-1 up on the night. And a couple of the goals were absolutely incredible like that. As Zorno's a goal that put Real Madrid 2-1 up on the night. It was like Patrick Schick at the Euros last year, right in front of the centre circle. She spots the goalkeeper off the line and over the head. The, the flailing image of the goalkeeper trying to get it just completely adds to the goal. And then that Claudio Pina goal, as I mentioned, just an insane chip from the left-hand side, wasn't it? So um, just two those two goals in particular just were of unbelievable quality. So Barcelona and Paris Saint-Germain into uh, the last four of the Champions League. You've got uh, Wolfsburg against Arsenal today at four, 5.45 and then Leon Juventus as well, uh, the other of the, the last eight games. Um. Okay, Peter's been back in touch to, to give out to us. You missed the edge here in Pun, lads. I suppose the real question is, will Kerry play their A-team? Are, ah. are you an edge here in fan? Uh, like I, I, know, I am aware of, of the of the catalogue. I used to be a bigger fan. But then he appeared on Game of Thrones, you were like, oh, he's jumped the shark. Jumped the shark and, you know, uh, yeah, that that's it exactly. No, not really. I was never a massive fan, but, but he's, uh, I, I, can, I can see the appeal to an extent. Um, go on, explain the appeal. Uh, he's he's got a, a radio friendly uh, tendency to to produce music, and people like that. He's, he's been doing it for a decade now. I'm just looking here. The first album was released yeah, 2011. 2011. Yeah, and that that went massive. That was massive. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that, that was probably that was probably the peak of peak of my uh, my. I guess I don't want to say love. I never really loved Ed Sheeran, but my peak of my liking for Ed Sheeran. It was kind of like leaving start summer, so you're in uh, the same nightclub every weekend, and it's the same songs every weekend, and it's the same Ed Sheeran same, song. The same it, bitter taste of rejection every weekend. <laughs> and and but a, but a, a side of cider. Yeah, that was that was the life. I miss those days. <laughs> OTB AM. This is OTB Sports Radio. Delighted to say we've got Mickey Quinn with us. We're going to talk to him about the um, Division 3 final. It's Loud versus Limerick. Um, the Limerick story is fairly remarkable, but the Loud one, I think, is the one that has attracted most of the attention. Mickey, good morning to you. How are you? Morning, Ger. Um Before we talk about the final, the, the Longford season was a complete roller coaster. Um, you'd great wins, hard-fought wins, some crushing defeats and then uh, Lazarus-like recovery almost as if you could just blink off the defeats what what kind of a season was it so far in the league for you guys how, how did it go how are you feeling about it yeah look at it was probably hit and miss very inconsistent with probably ups and downs um, but again probably we were late starting back with management probably set up uh, later on in the year and then losing numbers not committing and it was probably trying to get a firefight for as long as we could and 
we probably put in a few massive performances winning games against Westmead and Leash away from home were the two games that we probably looked at and said no nah, we're not going to win them but they were the two that probably got us over the line and then uh, we, we kind of allowed salvage the draw against us with a, a last minute uh, free that uh, got them a point. Um, so yeah, it's it's it just shows you how close the divisions are. Um, Limerick gave us a good clip in first round of the league, and then we played loud and drew with them. But it's just amazing how quickly it can turn those two teams pushing on for promotion, and we're fighting for relegation then, and just with the skin of our teeth stayed up. Um, I, I heard you interviewed after one of the games where you kind of talked about your own role and there's like a, a semi-coaching role on the field of play as the game is happening and, and you said this kind of suits you at this stage of your career uh, how formalised is that? Is that something that you're you're actu- actually actively talking to the management team about? Is it just naturally the role that you play when you have your experience? I suppose uh, probably a bit of both you're kind of probably playing that position at six you're kind of in and around it for your own kickouts, opposition kickouts. Um, and you've players around you that you can kind of talk to and and hopefully give instructions um, and 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 help them out as best you can. And I suppose it, it's kind of suited me with that game. That I suppose if you open your mouth that bit more, you can save the legs a little bit. So um, that's that's definitely helped me a bit. Uh, getting a few lads to do a bit more work around me rather than me. Um, but no, I enjoy it. I suppose that's probably the background with the teaching too. That you're kind of coaching slash teaching and you're you're open to that um, and it, it kind of works at, at the moment especially when we have such a young squad that there's lads that are eager to improve and learn and if, if they're open to, to listening to a bit of feedback or a few instructions that might help me and help them as well I, I remember talking about um, Dennis Carton years ago talking about how difficult it was to get people to commit um, because the intercounty grind is difficult, particularly when there isn't a whole heap to look forward to. You talked about getting lads to commit at the start of this season. Was there a particular reason why it was difficult this year, or uh, what was that like actually compared to previous seasons? Probably just the unknown there um, of, of what was going to happen and what the, the new setup was um, for, for such a long time, uh, and it was an easier option for guys to probably opt out than opt in. Um, and the other thing is probably with the last two years that we're after having, um, it's people have probably realised. Look, at there's more to there's more to life than and just training three, four, five times a week. And they start to realise, okay, hang on a minute, I can take a step back here, and I might come back in a year or two time and stuff like that. And that's probably happening a good bit in Lanfield, guys opting on and off for a year or two here and there. Um, and you can't blame guys either because uh, I think the the thing with Division 3 and 4 is that that carrot there of what the re- reward is for players it, it probably isn't there as much as the Division 1s and 2s and there has to be a huge element of enjoyment in what you're doing in order for guys to commit and, and stay involved in setups like that. So I think that's a big thing that uh, is across the board that that enjoyment has to be there and look at if you're not winning and the divisions are, are difficult and you're coming up against uh, teams that might be giving you a clipping but you'd hope with the Talchin Cup coming on board and Division 3 an opportunity there playing teams on the same level as you that you can probably entice guys to stay around that little bit more Are you excited for that actually the Talton Cup? Excited and wary um, of 
what way it's going to pan out. Like you kind of look at it now and you see the teams listed out after the weekend, who's going to be in it. And you think, geez, that could be a ding dong uh, battle. Like I don't know what, what your odds on and who's going to win it. Um, because you're looking at some of the teams there from down to Cavan. Um, if they end up not pro- progressing on in the provincial championships, that there's a huge opportunity for up on seven, eight teams that could actually contest it and, and, and win it. Um, but it all depends on what happens from the gap from league to the provincial championships and then the next gap from provincial knockout to when the Talchin Cup is played. And a lot can happen with guys maybe opting off or maybe morale been low after a defeat in the provinces. So, yeah, it's it's. I think that adds another layer to it that um, there's so many teams that could put their shoulders to wheel and, and really win that and hopefully it gets a promotion that it, it deserves what, What's the most important thing when it comes to that promotion for, from your perspective is it simply games and television is it, is it good good fixtures and good stadiums what, what's the key to promotion in, in, in your view Yeah I suppose it's probably a mixture of everything um, it's it's the lead up to it like I think probably two weeks out from a competition like that there should be a big selling point of probably the players and the promotion of it and then kind of getting a brief run through of, of, of the different counties and where where they're at and, and see that it is important to to those counties and then again that um, it's promoted to fans that you know you're looking at the division threes and fours this weekend and you're looking at probably the key players for, for Limerick and Loud and thinking right there's not too many um, people that have heard or know a whole pile about these guys like Samuel Roy has probably hit the headlines um, this this year a lot more than others with, with his score and exploits but there's an awful lot more players in Loud and Limerick that have, have brought them to that level and seeing seeing more game footage uh, of these players uh, will give people an appreciation well Jesus there is good players out there and it's not just your one or two big names per county like there's more than that um, and you know if, if you were to name off one player from each county I think everyone's probably able to do that but when it comes down to seeing more game time and footage uh, you get an understanding and appreciation that there's a lot more out there than just the guys that kick the scores In terms of this game this weekend um, how important is it for Loud and Limerick because they've both they're both on different journeys but it's fairly similar in terms of the the turnaround that they've experienced um, in recent seasons and you can kind of see how a season it's not going to be derailed because it's been a brilliant season whatever happens from this point forward promotion to Division 2 for both those teams next year is going to be a huge thing for them to be able to hang their hat on but a little bit of silverware along the way is a massive shot in the arm so you can see how for some counties these games have have in the past not actually mattered that much in the grand scheme of things but for these two it feels a little bit different yeah, I think that's something that probably creeps up a little bit in some of the divisions that um, or those finals that it's an opportunity there for silverware for Division 3 and 4. And, and once you get to Croke Park, um, you have an opportunity to win something in Croke Park, whereas we'd probably be on the other end of, of that, that when you get to Croke Park, it's not really much of a reward um, playing in Leinster semi-finals against the likes of Dublin. Um, but I think they're really... Uh, how, how both teams probably got back to training probably last night and, and reassessed where they're at um, and probably strapped up after uh, 
probably a tough league campaign and injuries are fairly good but both teams would be really pushing um, to try and get a bit of silverware and that kicks them on for for the Talchon Cup or the Provincial Championship that they can actually okay our season isn't finished here you're getting an extra game by playing a league final um, and then you're off into your Provincial Championship see how that goes and then Talchon Cup and I think that was probably the most enjoyable part for for any year that I would have played in it's playing the most games um, and there's years there where you might play two championship games and some years that if things go well you might get five and and getting more games in whether it be a league final Talisman Cup um, championship or or the league that the more games you play the more you're going to come together as a team and learn and improve yeah I mean it seems like basic arithmetic games are great we like games we should have more games I mean I realise it's taken us uh, 35 years to get to the point where we're going to have a bit of a dog's dinner but at least there'll be some more games so maybe we take the little victories along the way tell us about Sam Mulroy and um, how good is he? Yeah look at um, it, it probably Mickey Hart's setup that he has there with whether it be with Tyrone or with Loud he's he's built his team around the way Sam is playing and and what he offers to the team, Do you know there's there's nothing new or groundbreaking with with what Mickey's doing. It's it's probably the same same uh, canvas that he's working off. He's set up really well defensively, and then when you can try and counter attack from there and create the scoring opportunities, that Sam has been the one to to chip in and get those scores. But you know, uh, Kieran Byrne, Bevan Duffy, Connor Grimes, there's a few other guys, Tommy Dernan there uh, at midfield that has been probably long servants furloughed um, and they've offered something something else there in that probably setting up defensively and, and giving opportunities to Mulroy and other guys in the forward line like Grimes and that to, to get scoring chances. I was going through it there. I think he's 42% of Loud's overall scores um, but of that 75% of his scores I think what is it 45 points from freeze and 45s um, so like there's there's definitely a game plan there to play a strong running game and if they're running at you hard and they can draw fouls they'll draw fouls and they're quite happy to take their free slow the game down and play it on their terms and, and the way Mulroy is kicking um, just outside the 45 with his scoring range from freeze and you've probably seen highlights in that that some of the freeze he scored and uh, the one against us to level it at last kick of the game it was like that it was on the edge of the 45 and strong wind against them and still managed to kick it so that's a massive that's a massive uh, addition to, to Loud and the way they've set up Limerick on the other hand similar enough um, but their their game they're a strong running team and I think Croke Park is really going to suit Limerick this uh, this weekend the, the wing backs there uh, wing fours uh, Childs uh, Peter Nash Jason Ryan uh, Hugh Burke and Robbie Burke are causing a lot of trouble uh, in the full forward line um, and it's it's going to be I think an open game but I think one thing that we see from both teams is that with that running game and if there's space there that there's going to be goal chances and I think Limerick and Loud have definitely created lots of goal chances uh, throughout the league campaign It, it felt at the end of uh, Tyrone tenure that uh, Mickey Hart was not being criticised for, for their failings but kind of a sense that he was maybe holding them back a little bit and they needed a new change of direction and they got their All-Ireland win whereas now Mickey Hart is uh, getting a lot of credit for what Lau they're doing and getting back into the Division 2 football so so where's that graph at at the moment in your view with regards to the, to the stocks of, of Mickey Hart? Yeah look it's 
he he has a template for a game plan and that has proven and shown that it's worked. Um, and if if you stick to it, that it can really cause trouble from Division One right down to Division Four and and work in those divisions. But I suppose I think Tyrone were maybe on a different trajectory that did such quality forwards. Um, that everyone wanted to see those those guys play and, and and offering a little bit more and maybe it didn't suit some of those players um, to to play that maybe defensive style of, of football but again you, you can't take away from what he's done with Tyrone what he's done with uh, with Loud at the moment it shows you that there's a template there that works and if if players buy into it um, you can really push on and, and make huge gains and improvements at the end of the day winning games that's what's going to get people and players interested in playing um, so he's done that and it's going to be a difficult division for them next year but they're they're on the upward curve and it's not easier to, to be up in Division 2 than where they're coming from from Division 4 You, you obviously are, are looking at longer term trends and stats and analysis when you're in games are you seeing a difference in the style of play from the teams you're playing against and even what you're all you're you're trying to do yourselves like where is the game trending at the moment yeah it's it's funny it's it's kind of gone both ways um you you go back and i think i think one of the things that you notice from watching your division ones and twos and down to division threes and fours that um probably three and four are trying to do um, the same kind of things in pressing kickouts, setting up zonal presses, maybe false presses where you might let the ball go short uh, and then put a squeeze on. Um, but when you've different keepers and different, uh, the likes of Niall Morgan, Rory Began, that if you put on a press and it's played long over the top, he's taken maybe 10, 12 players out and it creates an, a scoring opportunity straight away. Whereas I think that that style of playing short kickouts or really short range kickouts to your full back line or even half back line, you have to work it past 12, 14 players to get up the field. Whereas I think it's gone to the stage now where teams are looking mid range and, and long range kickouts that you're creating an attack straight away. If you can get that ball down on the tee and out long, um, it, it sets a platform that you can take out maybe six, seven, eight players uh, out opposition players out with a kick out and start attack straight away whereas I think previously possession was was nine tenths the law I think it's got to the stage now where it's getting that ball into the forward line more um, and probably quicker is going to create scoring chances but probably create major scoring chances rather than uh, settling for clipping over a point that if you can get it down to the other end of the pitch as quickly as possible there's opportunities for goals my last question on that is is that anything to do with the mark or was that happening anyway? Uh, I don't think so. Maybe it, it probably is helping it a little bit. Um, but if you look at some of the the scores that are goal chances, maybe um, Tyrone's at the weekend kick long wasn't a can Canavan and then another kick inside to McCurry and McCurry goal. Whether that was a mark or not, um, or whether he stopped for the mark. It probably did help in that situation, but um, I think it might have promoted and kind of maybe fast-tracked um, management and, and players thinking in probably not being afraid to take that opportunity to go long. Um, whereas in the past, maybe it was like, oh, don't go long, safer to have possession. So, yeah, it might have fast-tracked things to to think that way. And I think I heard Zach Tui talking a little bit about it um, at the moment that with, with Geelong there, that 
their their mantra at the moment is kick the contest and they're they're confident enough to win those one-on-one contests because they've done a lot of work and training uh, and I think that's the level that it's at and listen to McCurry talking as well similar about those 50-50 balls that if you can win them and back your forwards and your midfielders that if a keeper can kick it out or a midfielder can kick it into the forward line and they're going to compete and, and, and contest it and, and win it and um, that's the more time that goes in there, the more chance you have a score. And it's it's fairly uh, fairly basic or rough and ready thinking, but the more opportunities you create, the more chances you have a score. And, and I think in the past, it was possession in your own half and middle third. And that possession counts for nothing if you can't actually penetrate the, that position. Yeah, look, always really interesting to have you on, Mickey. Thanks a million for joining us this morning. Cheers. Thanks, Millman. It's Mickey Quinn giving us his thoughts there uh, about the Division Three League final. I think that's interesting because it's kind of a little bit different to what's going on in hurling. Listen to Tommy talking earlier on. Teams are trying to take a little bit of the contest out and skew things in favour of their own team and possession. Whereas in football, they're like actually the break even on this point is if we score a goal out of this these long balls, then you know if we do that twice over the course of the game and we lose possession five or six times but they don't score off every single one of them we're still up yeah and also I think forward play at the moment is in such amazing shape that it's not really 50-50 or they're spotting the run they know what the run is going to be yeah. they're jinking one way they're kicking it the other way it's a bounce pass into space it looks direct it looks risky but it's not at all they know that their man is going to win it maybe even 70% of the time yeah and the scoring zone is getting bigger and bigger yeah well that's the that, that's the really intriguing thing and like I mean we quite often in the league you get an even bigger scoring zone because of the outrageous conditions but also as well when you look at some of the, the figures that the likes of Quigley and Mulroy have put up already this year it's like okay you foul anywhere uh, inside the 45 metre line that includes over by the sidelines you're in you're in a spot of bother How close are we to say in Limerick or Jewel County? Well I think uh, they would say themselves that they, they have been for a while that they should have got themselves over the line in the Munster football final in, in the mid 2000s late 2000s in the, um, the, the the John Galvin era so um, I think that they're they're back to where they feel they belong which is just below the the bottom tier and I mean I know that I'm not sure where the investment has gone it's been mostly hurling right that they've been existing I don't know I mean I, I don't think I think JP is just like an equal opportunities Right okay I don't know is the the honest answer to that, but they've been they've been, like they've been tipping along nicely for the, for the last little while. And that side of the Munster football championship will be interesting. Who will get to the to the Munster final? It looks like they're putting the same effort into their football academy as they're putting into their hurling academy. Right. Um, that's what the the word on the street is. That but, yeah, you've got Paul Knurk involved in the football side of things as well. Do you on on an academy level? Obviously, that's the rumor. Background yeah. is football. Yeah. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.